Hey, you're listening to Charged Podcast, episode 25, the podcast that looks at tech under the hood. I'm your host, Owen, and joining me today is your co-host, John. How are you today, John? Hi, Owen. What's up? Just hanging out in New York. It's a beautiful day. Same here. Weather is beautiful in Amsterdam. It's like summer never left. It's great. Wait, when does it start? <laughs> when does it wine. start getting shitty there? It, uh, it already did, except for today. It's really like been winter already here. It's lovely. Not really. When does it get shit there? Well, it's already been shit here too. Oh, where did I you went go? to a museum this weekend? How was it? Pretty fun. It was outside of New York. It's called Dia Beacon. Okay. D I A colon Beacon, uh, mm-hmm. and it's in the town of Beacon. And well. Everything in there pretty much is constructed, except for the art that isn't constructed that you don't even notice unless you're looking for the unconstructed art. And that is mostly the museum itself. What do you mean? So, like, there's the art and then there's the museum. Mm -hmm. And there's they're, like, together, but then you can also look at them sort of apart, too. So, like, the way the light falls, the architecture of the building, it's all very, very, very thought about. So sounds amazing. Yeah, and it's everything's huge. Like there were like one of the uh, installations is like cars crumpled up and piled on top of each other. Like we're talking big stuff. Wow. Yeah, it's huge. That's pretty cool. It's about an hour outside of New York on the train. Oh, it's fun. Look it up on the Google's image search. They do stuff with light. They do stuff with architecture. They do stuff with art, kind of like sculptures and stuff like that. They do stuff with traditional art. So stuff's drawn. All the drawn art is technical. There's like manuals that go behind the technical art that explain to you how to look at the art, but it's done in a very contrived way. So it's like super pedantic, fun, like big art it's cool it's really cool sounds like a cool place definitely if you're in new york go to it if you visit new york go to it if you want to just go to it go to it (laughs) and then in the evening oh god this is super cool i went to a broadway show which i'm definitely not going to remember the name of but i'll (laughs) put it we can put in the show notes because it's also super amazing and it's this dude that tells this whole long story about consumerism and tribes and time and he does Uh it all using uh it's crazy he uses these like super weird parabolic microphones like custom crazy sennheiser shit and you wear headphones through the whole show oh really oh yeah and they like move around your head it's so cool i sounds amazing i don't remember what it's called but i'll definitely make sure that the play that john does not know the name of is in the show notes sounds awesome Sweet. Well, I like the sound of both of these things. I should go to one of them when I'm over. Yeah, you're coming back soon, so that's cool. Couple of weeks. My favorite thing ever in tech happened this week. You'll never guess what it is. You probably will. You joined a new Slack group. Yes, it's my favorite thing in tech. No, a phone <laughs> got banned from all international plans in the world. Your phone got banned from all international plans in the world? Not, not my phone. All... Samsung Galaxy Note Sevens got banned from planes. Oh, from planes! Yes, have, Pla- not plans. I have to turn it's you up accent. a little bit because just tell me if you can hear yourself. Yeah, yeah. So basically, was it is it the FCC or the FAA? I think it's the FAA. They banned 
all Samsung Galaxy Notes and now you get your pockets checked to see if you have one before you go on a plane. It's now a federal crime. Oh, no, it was the DOT. Oh, yeah, the DOT, the Department of Transportation, alongside the Federal Aviation Authority. Hell, yeah. That's the first time it ever happened. It's it's glorious. Like, Samsung's really in the shitter now. Yeah, you know how much in the shitter? $5.3 billion profit impact. And they think, yeah, they think it's going to be more, up to $30 billion by the end of the year. Because they have to get rid of all the phones. They're not going to refurbish them or anything. It's abandoned now. It's over. It's crazy. It is crazy. The crazy thing as well is in the airport, like a lot of people who have the normal Samsung Galaxy, whatever it is, the Galaxy 7, the small one, I bet they're going to have problems too. Because the airport staff won't know what it looks like. They'll just be like, well, to put this into perspective, Samsung's market cap is almost. 200 billion dollars so mm-hmm. i mean yeah it's annoying but we're talking about a 200 could, billion dollar company it will definitely yeah, but it could decimate the phone business of of them well they shouldn't probably be in the phone business anyway but they're anyway. like the number two phone manufacturer in the world i mean yeah and all i probably. do is see people wandering around with what look like ipads like i just sorry no i there's not a sound what what, <laughs> what phones do they even make they make the edge galaxy s7 is the most popular phone of all time why what's because it's like people love features man i don't really understand it i've literally samsung plays the spec game that's the thing like it's a nice phone it looks gorgeous and then they're like the camera has 28 megapixels and iphone only has 10 like they're really going for the market that doesn't know stuff (laughs) and now whoever's listening that has a samsung galaxy it's gonna be like fuck you guys I just, I mean, everybody who listens to this podcast knows how much I know about phones, but. Samsung, I have to say, like, it is the iPhone of Android and that's why. Oh, I see. Okay, that's fair. I understand It's now. the flagship. It's really nice. It's high quality. They're all made of metal and stuff. Like, you feel like you're buying a premium phone. So you get all the nerd stuff too. business makes up. Um, in 2015, their phone business made up. 92 billion dollars of their uh net revenue and their oled panel and combined consumer electronics and combined semiconductor made up 108 billion dollars of their business so yeah just because they make the iphone chips it (laughs) oh yeah but they have to like i think samsung sees it as a point of competing for consumer mindshare like, it's not just about the phone. It's like, if you can get the Samsung phone in people's pockets, they'll buy the Samsung TV and they'll buy the Samsung microwave. Well, here's like a little bit of a scary a thing, thing for them. Q1 what? revenue postings 2016 posted almost $49 billion in net revenue on the uh, mm-hmm. phone side and $51 yep. billion on the other side. So they're getting closer. Yep. It's it's This is really bad for them. This was the phone that was going to make them. Samsung rushed the Galaxy Note 7 to beat out the iPhone 7's you know release though? because... Did I'm you not, read that story? I'm not even worried about this for Samsung because... Why? VR is going to be such a thing and they're going to make so many good like things in that space that it doesn't matter because that's what's going to take over their that side well, of the business. Well, the thing business. that's really sucked though is the their flagship phone for that was the Galaxy Note 7 and now you can't even use the VR headset because the phone doesn't work. Oh, that's, so. that's crap. 
Yeah, it's just messed up. Like it hurts them on so many levels that they. I think they have to relaunch this this product line, right? Like they have to relaunch it as something else because the note set, the note product line is not gonna fly. The whole thing is basically because they rushed it to beat out the iPhone Seven. They caught wind that the iPhone Seven was gonna be boring, air quotes, and so they rushed out a phone that was superior air quotes <laughs> uh, in order to beat it to market and they fucked it up big time wow. if you read the new york times article about it it's like samsung had basically worked people to the bone for it they'd rushed everything through skip checks all this kind of thing and they still like after all of this they actually still don't know what's making the phone explode like <laughs> i read it's, something it's six weeks somewhere in. that it was that the corners were too curvy yeah, that's what that's one of the things, but even the ones that don't have that battery in them still ex- are exploding. So it's like, I think it's a combination of things on the software and the hardware side, you know, because there's also rumors that it overcharges the battery, so it overheats and then it bursts. So it's it's kind of all sorts of weird shit. And uh, I don't think apparently overcharging batteries uh, is a thing. No, it definitely is. It's happened before. If the software doesn't tell the battery to stop charging, doesn't it just end it up le- overheat? they overheat yeah they can overheat and then burst basically usually the software like on the iphone the software when you get to 90 percent, batteries actually do explode or if that's a myth yeah so when you get to 90 percent on your battery the software on an iphone regulates it so it'll go between 90 and 100 and back the whole time it won't ever go beyond that but this sounds like the samsung just didn't know when to stop and then it overheated it's quite interesting Anyway, so I'll post the I'll post the story from New York Times in the show notes because it's pretty damning. Samsung's uh, banned its employees from writing anything down or sending emails because it's scared of lawsuits now. So uh, it's kind of that's bad. Pretty serious, yeah. That's really weird. <laughs> yeah, it's because uh, apparently it's deathly scared of of uh, international lawsuits because it's multiple countries, and uh, its employees aren't happy and they keep leaking stuff. So. <laughs> yeah it's pretty i i think it's just bad news for the entire division because everybody there is already overworked it has a toxic work culture so what's going to happen now i mean you know it really could make their phone business fall apart they need to we'll send see. in the, the guy from nest he, he can fix it <laughs> tony fidel tony fidel yeah did you read that tony fidel almost ran for president no not for president he almost ran tesla Elon Musk wanted him to run it. <laughs> that probably wouldn't have been so bad. No, I actually think it would have been awesome, especially on the software side. The Tesla, like the Tesla software on the car looks awful. <laughs> you know what phone doesn't explode? My iPhone. What? Uh, that's true, but you did have it overheat and it, you had to take it back. It does overheat all the time. I mean, it just gets really hot in my hand. Also, basically the battery lasts 11 minutes um yeah like i had a problem with that too not sure what's going on with that but my battery has gone to shit and not sure if anyone else has noticed but bluetooth basically effectively mostly doesn't work anymore like it just gets jumpy all the time it doesn't matter what device doesn't matter like it's just so probably to sell some more airpods i say everything is going to crap on the apple side for the iphone this new one is everything is in general it's really bad (laughs) so could be my imagination but i'm pretty sure it's shit it's probably both <laughs> i had a problem with my battery uh on my iphone this week and i took it into the store and they just gave me a new phone so i was perfectly happy with that i love my success so vmware vmware and aws mm-hmm. these are things that you know about mm-hmm. what ha- like okay 
for everybody who's listening and doesn't know what VMware can you is, can you explain it? Okay. So basically, if you wanted to run virtualization in your private cloud data center and the enterprise back in the day, you could buy the VMware solution. And it's basically a private cloud. Well, even now. Yeah. Uh, it's basically a private... Well, yeah, definitely now. I guess I'm talking about it like it's dead, but it's not. Um, it was re- recently <laughs> acquired by Dell in the EMC Oh, I forgot about acquisition. that. What happens is if you just need to run a cloud in your private data center uh, or... On your own hardware. On your own hardware, you can, do, you can get VMware and it's like... They have very good support. They have good sales. Like it's all very enterprisey, and it's good. It's, and it's actually really, honestly, fantastic software. It's uh, great software. I use it many is times. Really good live migration before anyone else. Like VMware is a, a phenomenal, phenomenal technology company. It's a real technology company. And so they were acquired uh, in the EMC deal with Dell. Uh, so now Dell. EMC and VMware, uh, which is an interesting combination because you effectively have a cloud company, although it's not put together yet. There's uh, storage and virtualization and compute. Uh, so the only other thing you need is network. And so VMware and AWS have done a partnership where you can, I guess, you can run VMware... Yeah, you run VMware on top of AWS to manage your cloud. Yeah, so I don't really know what the... I mean, I guess it's just so that people it's who are familiar... so you can use their software. So, well, yeah, I mean, to me, it's just like a really nice migration path, right? You want to get off your, you want to get off your private uh, cloud and you want to move to public cloud. You want to have someone else managing the CapEx, the physical infrastructure. And you have all of these employees that are trained in VMware and they're VMware certified. Like it's, it's like a, it's like a whole ecosystem of certifications and, uh, professional consultants and services companies and stuff like that. I think even Accenture, I think offers like VMware consulting and stuff like that. So, um, if you want to make the migration from your, private cloud to the public cloud and VMware being able to run on AWS is a really good idea. So yeah, it just means you don't buy hardware instead, right? And you still get their pretty interface. Yeah. So that's cool. Probably really bad news for colo companies who are all going to go out of business. Yeah. Well, there's no point. Is there any point running your own data center anymore, right? That's a question. I can categorically answer that question with certainty. Please do. No. There is zero point. I don't even care who you are. Tell me, tell me about it. Why? Even if you have a giant EMC SAN. Yes. <laughs> Those things are my nightmares. No, there is absolutely no reason why you should not be picking up your private cloud right now and move my pick, getting a migration strategy and moving it as quickly as possible to the cloud. And that because if cool. you don't do that, you're already now you're really in trouble because you're already behind everybody else who's either in that shift right now or already there. And the reason that's scary is that once you're there, you can gain a lot of business efficiency from having your BI and your app and everything together. And you can start to think about new ways of modeling your business around your, your what some people would call a software defined business platform or, you know, like 
Google has Gmail, yeah. Drive, App Engine, like the, these, all, the all these ecosystems, right? That can run your whole business. And more and more and more, they're going to become more tightly coupled and more and more integrated. And as those uh, abstractions and integrations between those abstractions become clearer and clearer and clearer, uh, you will be able to have new insight and new ways of, of managing and running your business. So, so if you're not on it, cloud, you're, you're way, 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 way behind because is it still feasible if you're even a huge, huge company to go to cl- the cloud, right? So I used to, in an old job at a company, I won't name manage a data, a number of data centers and they had so much data coming through that the cloud was too expensive or something. I think, um, we had the world's biggest EMC SAN, you know, the most expensive one. Whatever, I don't, I don't know which one it is, but it was like the biggest EMC SAN possible. Even in that case, you think it's cheaper to go cloud than it is to buy that storage shit? I mean, that's like a million dollars. Yeah, for the storage thing. And then, yeah, yeah because eventually you don't need to pay people to maintain that. You don't have your right. your electricity costs. You're not in a data center. Um, mm. And then the more you use AWS, the cheaper that it gets. Uh, it's bigger and bigger scales and also AWS is known for like figuring out how to get you know customers to a point where it makes sense for them to be there so right everyone should be looking at cloud first architecture I'm not even just saying that because like I worked at a cloud company forever or like whatever I it, I really 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 fundamentally believe that at, like if you're at some business scale you really really need to understand what it means for your whole business to be moved into this other way of thinking. Right, right. Because you can just, you can, it's not just the technology. You can really think about your whole business differently when you're in this like new kind of environment. Like there are different ways of running your product and your technology and your marketing and your, you know, just you're, you can really do a lot. So I, I don't know. I, I think this is amazing for VMware. It's super, super amazing for AWS. It should be very, yeah. very, um, it should be very troublesome for the colos. Like if you're a telex, if you're Equinix, yeah. if you're like, uh, like I wouldn't want to be one of those types of companies because that everyone's just. Well, there's only really like two routes now, right? So like everybody who's moderate size builds, uh, builds on the cloud. Uh, and then the actual whatever i don't know facebook's and google's and stuff they build custom hardware to run their own big data centers anyway so there's no colo in question for them at all right so one interesting perspective i heard is that it should be good for um it should be good for google because google is like building out their own way of doing this so like it's sort of a slightly different platform. platform yeah and so uh, this Twitter account, Cloud Opinion, which is actually a pretty good Twitter account, um, was like, yeah, <laughs> if everybody just like took the Google route, then it would just completely alienate AWS. But I still don't think that's actually really like AWS is the new IBM. Is the new IBM in a good way or a bad way? No, like IBM back in when it was founded, like when IBM went like just right, shot right, up. Right, right, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they own the market now. So, you know, wow. Serious, uh, serious topic. We're going to get a lot of ranty uh, network engineers writing in right now. I, I think. don't think so. I think anyone who disagrees with that at this point is like 
just probably wouldn't even be listening to our podcast. Like, and if you do That's disagree, true. send me an email. I'm happy to like, you know, send you 750,000 words back as to why you're wrong. Like, and I just like, I, <laughs> he will, he will. I really believe in this stuff. So I've been, I've just been doing it for it. too long. Okay. So guess who is not going to buy Twitter? Literally everybody. But specifically not. <laughs> Salesforce. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. But this is also a disaster, I think. That means nobody wants Twitter now. Is Salesforce the new Microsoft? But Microsoft back in the day. Anyway. Yeah, but like Salesforce is the new Microsoft, but nobody knows what it does. I don't use Salesforce, <laughs> so I don't really know much you about it. You should be thankful. <laughs> it's it's like CRM software, but it's just like Salesforce is like one of those things. Like it can be anything you want it to be as long as you pay consultants enough to, to make it what you want. Salesforce anyway. is Drupal. <laughs> Yeah, it's literally Drupal, but not open source, and you pay these expensive consultants a lot. Man, we're we're making a lot of enemies yeah, today. Yeah, we're being mean today. Anyway, Salesforce wanted Twitter because it could make basically make a CRM with it, right? Like it would have so much data on people. Rah, 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 rah. I'm so glad they didn't buy it, but now nobody wants Twitter because Disney's out, Google's out, Salesforce is out. Those were the three big ones. I've been saying so for what? we've both been saying for weeks, months, months, years. Twitter needs to go private, Pr- private, and figure it fire out. Probably a Everyone. lot of people, unfortunately, and they burn too much money for what they are. I think they have like four thousand employees. They need ten they... people. Yeah, <laughs> well, they could be Instagram then, size. Well, Instagram team is fifty people, and then they need to figure out just enough people to run the software, and then everyone else. Sorry, go work at well, Facebook. Twitter just needs to decide once and for all what it is. We talk about this so much. I'm so sorry. But I think they just need to decide what they are. And Jack like, said he sent a rec- memo to the whole company. Yeah. And uh, I think he's right. I think what did he you say? Know, if you see that they should be fundamentally free, <laughs> first of all, like freedom, not free. <laughs> but uh, but it should be the place for live events to und- uh, un- uh, unfold, basically, was the way I read that. We are the news. Yeah, well, they are, though. If you look at their moves with the NFL and Bloomberg recently, like Bloomberg started broadcasting its channel through Twitter, and you get a special Bloomberg page where you can see all the tweets about it. That's cool. Why didn't they do that before? They should be the streaming platform for live TV and organize themselves around those events. I think that's really cool. And other, you know, like IRL events. But TV is such a nice compliment for Twitter. But isn't people... Sorry, isn't people... Don't people not people don't really watch TV anymore <laughs> to kind of get my words in order today. No, they don't. But that's but that's because they don't like if it's on your computer and you can watch it in the background. I think it's a different ball game than sitting in front of your TV. Right so, now, it's very hard to watch live TV through a computer. It's almost impossible unless you have like this shitty box thing, like I do. How's your uh, Twitter lets you do um, hiatus going? Terrible. I'm back. Actually, I'm not really bad. I tweet like once a day. <laughs> um, no, it's really it's really good. Like I don't use it on my phone anymore, so it's only on my home computer. Uh, but I couldn't give it up entirely. It's like a drug, John. Like you said, it's just really useful for some small stuff. So I feel guilty, <laughs> but not. My favorite part is how you then just spend ten minutes trying to justify it to yourself. <laughs> hey, I, I don't have to justify it to myself. I got to justify it to a whole Slack channel of people who uh, tell me off for tweeting. <laughs> it's just, you know, I you, you broke my heart because you said that you could at least make 28 days and you didn't even do that. 
No, it's because uh, I went to Berlin and I want to ask for tips and like I can't do that otherwise. So, and you know, like the funny thing is the serendipity of Twitter really showed itself even when I was there. Like a friend of mine in Berlin saw my tweet, tweeted me back to say, hey, I'm in Berlin. Do you want to hang out? I don't have it on my phone, so I didn't see it because I'm not tweeting as much. And anyway, we bummed into each other in a cafe in the end and he only knew it was me because he had seen me tweet earlier that day. Anyway, uh, that's what I like it for. Long story short, I'm back on Twitter sometimes, occasionally, but not on my phone. So, so how's how's uh, tweeting from a company account, John? Shall we talk about that? <laughs> I rarely tweet. You do fave a lot, though. I do fave a lot. Um, <laughs> Verizon. So nobody wants Twitter, including us, John. Including us, including me. Verizon Malls yep. Yahoo. I love how like ambiguous that title is in Trello. So after we talked, we had that huge ranty rant about Yahoo's security, uh, hack, security NSA thing Perf- last week. Privacy bullshit. The 500 million account leak and the NSA tool that they built. And now Verizon's having second thoughts about Yahoo. Is this a good or a bad thing? Nobody really knows. But what happens if like Verizon backs out of this? Yahoo's not worth anything, surely, after that. Insiders say that yeah yahoo's really in a bad place insiders say that they consider it a a material breach of the contract yeah they want a billion dollars off the deal but you know at this point i mean yahoo should probably like uh i think it's chapter 11 time yeah it's time to just close it down get the cool tech like Flickr and tumblr and just leave that separate (laughs) yep 50k each and a bottle of beer yeah just lit just let it let it run. I don't I don't know. I like I get what Yahoo is, but it's just kind of a mess of businesses now right now and I just don't even under under Verizon I see it kind of being dismantled into bits. So hey, maybe this deal doesn't go through, but I think if it doesn't, Yahoo will be very worthless. Like Marissa it's over for Marissa Mayer at that point, I think. Like you can't sell a company that failed to be sold mid like it was already sold and now it's basically worthless if they fail at this. So that's in the wise words of George <laughs> W. Bush, fool me once. Well, yeah. fool man can't be fooled again. <laughs> and that's just, hey, you I know, was fool say, can't uh, be fooled. AOL will buy it instead. And then I realized that Verizon owns <laughs> AOL. <laughs> Shit. Verizon owns all the media, by the way. It's creepy. Verizon should probably buy Twitter. I actually, so Verizon pulled out of that. They wanted to, and they pulled out. So too busy dealing with their <laughs> Yahoo bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's distracted by it. I love it. So the other, my other favorite thing that happened this week. I have a few favorite things that happened. Is SSL imploded? Oh God, it was so good. I mean, it's been there's been a long chain of implosion of sec- security certificates online for in the last month. Technology and a half. has been such a pain this week, man. Uh, I can't access month. like The Verge, Wired, SoundCloud. Like the last month, yeah, it's been bad. Everything's breaking. Everybody's realizing that all this shit is very, like, built on a house of cards. What actually happened? They revoked a bunch of certificates by accident of, like, the world's biggest sites. Something happened in some... Oh, I don't know. It's Global kind of, cert? No. Or? Yeah. There was, like, an intermediary certificate chain. So these are the people that make the green lock on your browser, you know? Like, HTTPS. Yeah, let's explain that, that first. thing. 
Yeah, so like HTTPS, that thing is a certificate that's usually issued by a company that says, you know, they're trustworthy. So they say that you are who you say you are, basically. This and is... you, or you pay them, they give you a thing, and you get a green lock. And so you install that on your servers, and your servers are like, hey, we're good. This is actually us. And they can't and issue it to anybody else. you can verify whether or not that website is what it says it is, and that's what made the web safer. Now, there's n- now you can't do this thing called DNS uh, poisoning and stuff like that. Right, because every time your browser goes to google.com, it checks with the CA, Certificate Authority, to see if it's valid or not, right? The problem was this CA, Global Cert, I think is the name or something along those lines, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, they accidentally revoked a bunch of certificates by, you know, for the largest websites, The Verge, Wired, AWS had a bunch of issues, SoundCloud, all those kind of guys. And so that's... That's okay if you don't happen to go to those websites in the time that the certificate was revoked. If you did, you can't access them for a week, <laughs> which is basically your worst nightmare because for Wired and for, uh, for you know The Verge and SoundCloud, they can't actually even tell your computer that the certificate is fixed because it's already saved on your computer for a week. Uh, so yeah. Every time, every time you go to SoundCloud, it's like, well, certificate's fucked. So you have to wait seven days. And then by then, you've probably thought, wow, SoundCloud's down this whole time. I guess I'll do something else. So if that happens, you have to clear your, um, your cert, cert cache. cache. But um, it's not easy. No, it's I can't kind do of it. annoying. I tried. <laughs> I tried for the 20 minutes before this podcast to get onto SoundCloud. So there's an, and I literally could not. That's the, So it's so interesting because that's actually the second... Uh, certificate thing that's happened in the last two weeks. What was the other one? Um, there was a Chinese was the, certificate yeah. um, uh, issuing authority that yeah, one was of the big ones. Uh, misissuing certificates. Um, yeah, didn't they issue the Google.com certificate internally? <laughs> yeah, they did a lot of really crazy things. Uh, too many to go through on the podcast. But what does that what does that mean though? So like <laughs> they're getting if they issue the Google. The, well, so they're such a large uh, certificate uh, provider that that. So actually, the repercussion happens at the browser level. So it was Mozilla. Mozilla right. is basically the one that kind of takes the lead on this stuff usually, and that because they have all. Yeah. That's kind of what they do. So the Mozilla stuff. discovered it or investigated it, and then they put forward yeah. this kind of. Um, proposal as to um, what should be done and the proposal was basically like hey in the next version of Firefox uh, certificates issued by this certificate authority will not be um, yeah we won't trust uh, them for a year we won't trust them for a year and also they have to go back through the certificate certification process after that year but they're banned from issuing certificates for that year so crazy Ernst and Young Hong Kong who did their editing are also our auditing are also banned from uh, auditing in the certificate process indefinitely it seems Um, and what is that what actually happened though right so they they issued a certificate that said you know I am Google.com legitimately and used it themselves while Google has its own. So they issued their own certificate that said, uh, I am Google. I'm pretty sure that was the one. They were doing a lot of, there was like, and they used there it was internally. Like five or six different things that they did. Because the whole, like the whole idea of the certificate thing is that only one company has the certificate that says, I am Google.com and that's Google. 
right? Like it should, you should never issue a test certificate or anything that says you're Google. It's impossible in theory, but they did it. It's very gross. Yeah. So anyway, the internet is broken. Uh, Google and also Apple are going to make those changes um, also. Okay. So it's bad. Well, yeah, but they have so many um, certificates outstanding that they like, some of them are being, um, some of them are being allowed for a little bit longer or something like that. I didn't follow, but anyway, you should, if you're interested in this stuff, you should go read about it. But uh, I don't think it really materially affects anybody on the internet. It's just stuff that's going on. The internet is kind of weird. Right. Interesting. Someone well, wrote we had in. a reader question. Yeah. Do you want to what talk it? about this? <laughs> it's it's deep, man. It's, like quite literally. Yeah. So someone asked us what the deep web is. That's a big question. It's an interesting one for sure. It's actually it's actually like kind of easy to answer, but there's so much com- like complexity that goes with it. The deep web shit like the tldr of the deep web is it's, it's not even really a thing the bits it's, of the, it's not a thing it's like it's like a concept makes it a thing, but it's not really yeah a thing. like it, it's it's an area of the internet that isn't indexed by search engines it's encrypted you can access it but you have to know where it is basically but you can't just like wa- wander in a single thing it's multiple no. things so like yeah, the deep web. I yeah, like what Owen said. There's a lot of different the, names for it too, right? It's basically anything that you can't just access on the internet by going to a, a URL or or like directly to an IP address. It's like all of the content of the internet that is in areas that you need to know specifically how to get to, and so that can take a huge variants of different types of technologies and different types of applications and stuff like that. Some people would consider torrent yeah. a, a, a version of the deep web. Yeah. Um, That's like one level of the deep web. Yeah. There's the Tor browser. The Tor browser is like the most commonly common accessible way to access the deep web. I think when people think of the deep web, they think of Silk Road, uh, basically. Really? <laughs> I think, I think that's like the most, common thing that people know from it that and all the horrible porn sites down there (laughs) but it's basically like if you download there's a there's a package you can download called the tor browser bundle that lets you onto the deep web but it has a routing protocol called onion but again you have to know where the onion sites are and that's what silk road was so silk road was what the drug dealing website you could buy basically anything on there including Hitman Hitman and stuff. And if you want to read a crazy story about that, there's a court case that's ongoing that Wired has been covering for a while now. It was a bunch of dudes that ran the site. They were just like ordinary nerds, but they claimed to have not known what was going on on there. They just ran the site. And yeah, what was actually happening was a lot of bad shit. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know tons about the deep web because I've basically never used it. it like it's just, I don't, there's nothing for me on it, but I think like our, the original deep web was sort of like we would exchange MP3s on, um, IRC using like sure. DCC, which was like direct connect to like IRC yep, yep. bots that were backended by FTP servers and stuff like that. So those were, that was like the early day deep web, like just kind of 
stuff hidden around on IRC and, and FTP servers and Telnet servers that you would kind of, and some SSH and you would just like have to know where to honey badger around and stuff. Um, and then as yeah. Tor project and stuff like that came out, I think it started to expand into being, um, the same concepts of just like highly distributed, uh, co- complex systems that are difficult to follow a route around so they, that you, you start, you start at one place and it moves you around a whole bunch of servers until it gets you to the end server. But it's difficult to know because all of those different servers have masks on them and all these crazy things. And like, so it's hard to know where you actually went and people can't see you moving around the internet and stuff like that, which is what makes it secure. Yeah. So yeah, I would say that the biggest thing is that it's very hard to know where stuff is down there unless you know the address. I think that's basically are, it. It's not indexed. Is there Tor browser search engines? Like, is there the Google of no. Tor? No. Well, there's 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 some concepts of it, but it's not. It's nothing like Google. Uh, when I used to do reporting, I used to spend some time uh, down there. I was gonna say it sounds terrible. Down in the deep web. <laughs> yeah, I used to go on a lot of IRC channels through through Tor, and no, it's there's not really like. Uh, the onion protocol so like if you you know when you type into your browser like google.com or whatever and it like what's really happening behind there is like google.com just points to a bunch of numbers onion links are really like a similar concept but nobody controls the domain name and a lot of the time they're just gobbledygook right so it'll be like d789 dash dash exclamation point dash dash yeah dot onion and that'll be silk road or uh, you know whatever and there is a lot of legit stuff down there as in like you could host a website on the deep web and it doesn't have to be illegal or anything it just tends to be that way in the media most of the time it's people just running servers that don't want the outside world to access them but usually there's a reason for that right (laughs) so and the interesting thing is it's not as safe as people think it is and it's not like if you use encrypted browsers and tor and all that kind of thing it's not yeah, I mean, if you want to read the tinfoil hat stuff, go read about where that project came out of and who sponsored the research at Berkeley. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, you know, like, they're actually trying to ex- install Tor nodes and libraries and stuff so that you can't be tracked and all this kind of thing. There's, there's a whole, like, whole thing around that. You can And you can use the Tor browser to access the normal web. It's just that it kind of opens up the ability to access this stuff. If you want to read about it, it's super interesting. There's a lot of weird, illegal shit down there. I would say that it's probably and- not as vast as people might like in the media, when I no. see it, people, it seems like it's like it a whole huge. internet sized internet underneath the internet or something like that. We're talking like pockets of like 60 to 70 people, maybe, a, maybe, yeah, it says maybe in some communities, like 10,000 or so people. I, I ironically just Googled it because I was curious what the percentage is. And it says that, you know, 95% of the internet happens on the internet as you know it, but the, the dark web well, the deep web is really 0.3%. It's a small section of the internet that has millions of users still. Like, it's hard to imagine, but there's still millions of people out there using this stuff. And a lot of it, I would say, is the exchange of terrible, illegal stuff, and then a lot of torrenting, a lot of, you know, like the old LimeWire in the day, you know, like it's going deeper these days for that kind of thing. So, it's a, it's. I wouldn't say it's a place for casual browsing, but if... <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're interested, it's kind of quite an interesting concept to read to, to read about. To get started, 
I guess the Onion browser is the place that you go and like read about Tor and Onion, and then that'll kind of point you in the direction. But I think I the, have put, gone on there once, and I, it was—it's so yeah. hard to use. And I like know how to use yeah, the well, internet. Yeah, you have to go like, to these sites. They have the, the Deep Web Wiki, which is like a Wikipedia clone with a lot of popular Deep Web links, and those are all the legal ones, right? But then beyond there, it just gets a bit weird. I'll put in the show notes. There's this crazy article about the Silk Road story, and like the whole world of like contract killers and like any drug you wanted and like how they operate on the deep web and everyone thought it was anonymous but it wasn't i so, also i always feel like some of this stuff isn't real so i don't know how re- yeah 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 for sure like i don't i don't know maybe i think i'm probably super naive because i just don't i can't imagine that you can hire a contract killer on the internet that's such a wild thing that was what was going on though like if you read the FBI and the CIA notes on this stuff, that's really legitimately what you could do through these sites. And these guys who are running these sites actually purportedly use those services, right? So, and you can again, I'll put it in the show notes. In America, this was going on? Like, how much yeah, does it, it cost New to York, kill man. someone? There's New York. Oh, that's creepy. Okay, I'm going to do It's hard a, to say if that was actually what's happening, but yeah. I'm going to do a one minute long crazy rundown of the atlantics view from silicon valley first question what startup is most exciting now group answers seven percent slack seven percent docker five percent docker that's what i said five percent magic leap and uh five percent magic leap what and nobody even knows what it is five percent uh nanantic is that how you pronounce it labs niantic yeah niantic more answers, DeepMind, which is owned by Google, um, Dropcam, which I couldn't believe that someone answered that, uh, Ubeam, which I thought was actually not even a real company anymore. Um, do you own a Tesla? 30% no. 69% yes. Uh, CEO of Rocket Fuel says yes. I'm living in, I'm a living stereotype. CEO of a tech company called Rocket Fuel driving a Tesla. But the torque blows my mind. Wow. Which product would you... Or app would you say is going to be a product? The next, the next product is going to become a household name. Uh, Amazon Echo slash Alexa, 29 percent. Augmented reality, especially Pokemon Go, eighteen percent. If I knew, I'd be rich, nine percent. Which company will be the first to bring wow. fully driving autonomous uh, driverless cars to market? <clears throat> uh, Tesla. 65%, Google 13%, Mercedes-Benz 6%, Uber 6%, most likely year to happen 2020. In 2014, <laughs> Theranos was What valued, is this from? Uh, the Atlantic. Oh, right. Hundreds of people they asked. Continue. They surveyed 140 uh, uh, Silicon Valley tech CEOs. Um, in 2000 and VCs in 2014, Theranos blood testing company was valued at $9 billion. Two years later, it's under criminal investigation. Why didn't more people see it coming? Answer number one, uh, wanting to believe in Santa Claus. There are uncomfortable parallels to Trump here. Actually. Oh my God. Hiding, (laughs) uh, hiding the underlying data. Okay. Uh, Theranos had name brand investors, name brand partners, and a super accomplished board. The company had major media covering and everyone was asleep at the wheel. CEO of Autodesk. Shots fired. Um, Which tech invention... Oh, this makes me sad. 
uh, of the past five years has most improved your quality of life. Thirty-three percent. Oh no! Rideshare. No, it's also true. That's a not bit. an invention. It's not technology. It's not technology or an invention. Anyway, fitness trackers eight percent. Well, it's disruption of a existing category. Updates right? Updates to my iPhone was eight percent. No, oh, this is a terrible survey. I love it. I love it. This is so representative of iOS ten made my life better. I was. Yes. This is so representative of Silicon Valley. Who will you it's vote terrible. for in November? Zero percent. Trump. Five percent. Undecided. Uh, or sorry, one percent. Peter Thiel uh, voting for Trump. Ninety-eight percent. Clinton. I'd take poorly written PHP over Trump. Says the CEO of Double Robotics. Um, oh my god! In what year will more white collar Americans telecommute than work in an office? Fifty percent. No. In what year? Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I was thinking percent. what what percentage? Twenty. Uh, Twenty-two. Fifty-one percent. <laughs> really no it would be 51 percent would be more but anyway oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah 2020 uh was 20 percent, and 2025 was um 18 percent, and 30 percent mm. was not in my lifetime wow i'm surprised by that which is worse peter thiel's endorsement of trump peter yes. thiel's war on gawker <laughs> or neither also, i approve of both oh god i'm scared of the answers of this what which is worse, Peter and Teal's uh, endorsement of Trump, fifty six percent. Okay, okay. Peter Teal's uh, war on Gawker, thirty six percent. Neither oh, I. Oh, that's really both, sad. Eight percent. Damn. CEO of a company that I've never heard of says more people should have the courage to put their money and reputations behind their beliefs. Do you own a robot? Ah. Uh. Yes no. or no? Percentage yes, 40. <laughs> Percentage no, 60. What? Who owns a robot? In which year will the vast majority of Americans' households have a robot? 2025, 30% says the rest is divided amongst the rest. No. Oh, man. Okay, okay. Take the last most important question. How many? Uh, how much time does Melissa Mayer have yet left, at, left at Yahoo? Majority said six months to a year. <laughs> Less if this deal falls through. <laughs> okay so on that note so on that note <laughs> great great survey results we'll put that in the show notes oh, it's so funny it's really good <laughs> which one surprises you most though is the question really all of them are terrible all of them do you own a tesla <laughs> is pretty surprising that's but it's silicon valley right that's 69 where they percent right? of people own a tesla Ugh. yeah which silicon one's valley. most surprising to you I think the Tesla one, or maybe the, I'm surprised that women want to work at Facebook, <laughs> although their public image is pretty good. Quote of the century. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I've heard stories about Facebook, so I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Well, thank you for that. It'll be in the show notes, and I'll actually write the show notes this week, if I can upload this podcast to SoundCloud. So, one thing that we should ask everybody to do is review us on iTunes pretty please we have a link on our website and it actually helps us more than you could possibly know we got it's reviews really easy last to week get that were pretty nice yeah we got some great reviews last week and if you could add yours to the pile it really helps us you can go to chargedpodcast.com and leave a review it's really easy if you write to us you can do it at hi hi at chargedpodcast.com <laughs> That was a really funny email. Yeah, I know. Somebody couldn't understand me saying it. Do you want to say what the email address is, John? 
hi at chargedpodcast.com. <laughs> Same guy also called me a yank, which I thought was pretty funny because yeah. I'm Canadian. There is a say but, hi button on the website, but if you click it, it goes to me and then I forward it to John myself. So save me two whole clicks and just email hi at chargedpodcast.com. That was a really nice email. That guy said that he didn't care that we weren't experts and that he loved Good. the fact that we were just like randos say in our mind that's good because we just set our mind about the deep web so <laughs> awesome well yeah we'd love to hear from you either way a review an email all of it's cool or come and hang out hang out on the slack it's in the show notes every week for now eventually we will stop inviting people openly so you should join while you still can i think that's it for this week until next week john thanks for hanging out thanks owen <laughs>